Hello, and welcome to Into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast, and my name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. Brendan, welcome back. Thank you so much. I've been gone yeah. for a little bit. Honestly, no joke. I'm not trying to be dramatic. It feels like it's been forever. I really missed you. It's been it's been a long week. Yeah, likewise. Uh, I, I missed recording. Yeah. I, I was in uh, Scotland and England briefly for mm-hmm. uh, a fairy tale wedding uh, that was honestly a little bit too much for my brain and body to handle. Uh, but now I've recovered fully. Here I am, ready to talk about a whole lot of apps I downloaded yeah. for my flight. I had to say this is also kind of, I don't want to say a bad week to take off, but like this was the week where everyone was like, here's everything. Yeah, it was like, uh, okay, Apple is releasing 65 games simultaneously. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh-huh. Untitled Goose Game, Legend of Zelda, Dragon Quest. Um, and then other stuff that was in our backlog that we wanted to check out. Nintendo released a new version of Mario Kart exclusively for mobile. Uh, there's a lot to talk about. Yeah, yeah. And like, not only lots in general, but a lot that I think you, like in particular, will want to talk about. Like, like your yeah. data exploded onto this week. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which might be... There's a better well, way to say that. <laughs> no, I think that sounded beautiful. I think that was great. <laughs> so we're here now, living the present. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I think we're going to start this episode with just a general overview of Apple Arcade. Mm-hmm. This is something that you were a beta tester for, right? Uh, I mean, kind of. So I, I, I have the or had the developer beta for the new version of iOS, which I didn't realize it until they sent an email out. But um, that also <laughs> meant that I'm, so, I'm still laughing at your data exploded on this <laughs> week. <laughs> I'm full of games. <laughs> That was that was right up there with one of the worst and nerdiest things I've said on the show, which is quite a bit. <laughs> anyway, yes, I, I ended up beta testing um, Apple Arcade with, I don't know, a, an unknown number of people. But that pretty much just meant that, like, for about four days, I had access to, like, 60-something games that I was, like, actually pretty excited about. There are yeah. a lot of them in there that I was so excited to check out. There was kind of a bummer element where apparently none of the people that made those games knew that there would be people playing them four days early. So, like, oh, wow. we'll, we'll talk about it in the Sign Our Wild Hearts segment that we do later. But, like, the developer of that game was like, hey, please don't spoil this. We didn't realize that people were going to be playing it already. Like, do not say anything about what happens in this game. Uh, until at least the 19th when the game was supposed to come out originally. Um, So that was kind of interesting. But yeah, yeah, I I have been um, pretty much preaching the the glory of Apple Arcade uh, since the moment I got my hands on it and downloaded a whole shitload of games. And I've been playing a lot of them on the train to and from work and uh, on the planes that I was on recently. And Apple Arcade is uh, is pretty incredible, honestly. Yeah. It's um, really impressive. And I think uh, we've gone on record a lot being like both recognizing that there are plenty of like predatory mobile games out there that one should avoid. Yes. But that the genre and medium as a whole should not be dismissed because of that. Right. Last year, the glowing example of that or glowing example of like what you could do on a mobile game that you can't do elsewhere was Florence, which was 
in both of our top tens of the year. Yeah. And now there's like 80 versions of Florence. <laughs> <laughs> not in terms of not in terms of that uh style, but in terms of that quality and that idea of like how do you make a game that shines on mobile and isn't just for mobile. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it's worth mentioning like on a on a kind of high level overview what Apple Arcade is for those of you who maybe haven't heard of it or whatever. Um, Apple Arcade is a new subscription service launched by Apple where you can pay five dollars a month and get access to all of the games that are on Apple Arcade. Uh, and and currently that number is uh, from what I've heard around 60. Uh, they're planning on getting it to like 100 and something um, before the end of the year, I think. Uh, and, and that includes games from developers like kind of coming out later by like like Square Enix. Nix is making fantasy RPG exclusively for Apple Arcade, things like that. So like there are kind of bigger uh, event games that are going to drop on this eventually. But for now, it's like 60 something games by developers that I already love. Uh, so I was pretty excited to get my hands on it. The, w- the way Apple Arcade works is you can download a game on iPhone, iPad, uh, Apple TV soon and Mac soon. Uh, and the way it works is pretty much most games, not all games, I thought it was all games originally, but most games will work across all four of those platforms. Your saves will carry over across all of those platforms, and all of those games will support all of the different control inputs that you can use on all of those platforms. So mouse and keyboard if you're on Mac, uh, if you're using Apple TV, you could use the Apple TV remote or a controller if you have one, and then iPhone or iPad also allow for touch controls. And all four of those platforms now officially as of iOS 13 also support uh, Bluetooth controllers, including PS4 and Xbox One controllers. So you can now just hook up uh, your PS4 or Xbox controllers to your iPhone and play Sinar Wild Hearts, for example. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, just off the top of my head. Yeah. You know, no, no bias here. Uh, <laughs> or a game, uh, I'll just to throw it out, one that I haven't played yet because I'm waiting to use my controller, uh, Oceanhorn 2, which is pretty much just a Zelda game, like a full 3D Legend of Zelda game that they made for Apple Arcade. Pretty wild. So there's just like a ton of stuff going on in Apple Arcade. I think it's I think it's really interesting. Just as like we've been hearing this idea of of a subscription gaming service forever, and and no one has really kind of like nailed it outside of maybe I would say Microsoft with Game Pass. Like Game Pass, I think is is kind of a glowing example of like for the consumer a really great deal. Um, we still don't really know the economics for developers, and that's what kind of freaks me out about Game Pass. Yeah, um, same. Apple Arcade, uh, we still don't know. We know a, we know as much about Apple Arcade's economics for developers as we do about Game Passes. But I do think that it's possible that Apple Arcade is netting out in the positive for these devs purely because I think Apple is seeing arcade as as just like a way to continue to lock people into the apple ecosystem like i think they are willing to eat the cost of like the development cost because they've also been like funding some of these games they've been like pumping money into these developers to make these games apple arcade exclusives apple arcade exclusive by the way just means it doesn't show up on Android. It can show up on any platform as long as it's not Android, which I think is really interesting. Um, but anyway, they've been pumping money into these developers and into getting these games on arcade. I think A, to create like a compelling enough backlog that people would kind of like say this is a no-brainer for $5 a month. But also like there are so many ways to keep people locked into iOS now. And the idea of, oh man, if I switch to Android, I'm going to lose access to Sinar Wild Hearts and Grindstone and all these things that I love now. It's just another way to keep people locked in which which you know i'm sure someone in an economics department or in in the budgetary departments of apple has figured out like if we get somebody to subscribe to apple arcade it will in aggregate equate to this amount of money 
per customer, um, you know, because they will continue to upgrade their iPhones. They will continue to like get locked in via other services we can push them like Apple TV Plus or uh, the Apple Card or like a billion other things. Uh, iMessage is one thing that a lot of people say is what keeps them locked into iOS. So like, I think this is just another avenue to keep people in the Apple ecosystem, uh, which is probably why it's so cheap. And it's why so many developers are so willing to say like, yes, please, I will, I will do this. Yeah, for sure. I mean, nothing keeps me on iPhone more than my like haunting experience in any group text as an Android user. <laughs> <laughs> Not trying to, to uh, pledge my allegiance to any brands on this show, but like, good Lord, that was a fucking nightmare. Yeah. I'll never go back. Yeah, I always, I always feel bad. Um, I'm, I'm a person who switches back and forth between iPhone and Android like pretty frequently. I think like in the course of doing this show, I've done it twice now so far. Yeah. Um, but that said, like Apple Arcade is is just another thing that might keep me from switching to Android again at some point because uh, these games are so compelling and I know there are more coming that, that I feel pretty good about staying locked in. Honestly, it's like, I'm like, oh, yeah, please, I'll, I will stay in your walled garden. There's no exits. Oh, that's fine. That's okay. <laughs> I have enough here for me. There's, there is kind of like a, um, there's an element of Apple Arcade, which I think is, is worth bringing up in that none of these games have microtransactions. Like they are all completely devoid of that as part of, I think, the design philosophy of like, if you are in Apple Arcade, like it, it has to be all inclusive. Um, yeah. Which is is good in terms of the games that you're playing. They all feel great and complete and they're like, you know, full, full products. But also it's kind of like Apple created a problem and then also got to say, like, we found the solution and we're going to charge you for it. You know what I mean? Because like when the App Store first came out, there were games like the ones on Apple Arcade coming out and they would cost three dollars or five dollars or whatever. Um, but then as soon as the idea of in-app purchases started to kind of like percolate up and like became an actual feature in, in the App Store ecosystem, it kind of created this issue where like every game started or every developer started to realize if we make a free to play game with like predatory microtransactions, we will get the quote unquote whale to spend a shitload of money on our game and that will sustain us forever. And that's great in terms of like creating jobs and in terms of like making uh, the economics of, of game development, which are currently a horror like workout in favor of the developers. Um, but it also, as we've talked about on the show a lot, can be extremely predatory and problematic. Um, so it's weird that Apple went from like, we created this problem to, hello, we are your saviors, but give us $5 yeah. a month. I think there is a lot of merit though to the idea that like even even for me, like I, I am definitely in the camp that like mobile games have examples of greatness and potential for greatness in terms of like uh you know the whole games as art discussion mm -hmm. which obviously you and i are both very much in the camp of i don't even think it's really a debate anymore anyone who thinks yeah. they're not just doesn't know what they are they're playing their I mean? own games like, yeah or they just haven't played games in 20 years and they're like what i don't think the earth is round um <laughs> but anyway if you don't think games are art, you're a flat earther is what i'm saying yeah uh, yeah it's but, a one-to-one -one uh, correlation <laughs> I can't believe I just said that. Anyway, <laughs> um, I think that there are like enough common negative opinions of mobile games that having this exist even if it's temporary like does so because every like i've downloaded probably close to 10 apple arcade games and i've and i've played a handful pretty extensively and even the ones that i kind of bounce from are all ambitious in their own way i think that this is a testament to like this is a, is a is a taste of like how cool and unique and tenacious these games can be on this platform yeah so i i, I definitely share your reservations of like creating a problem financially but i think that this has done a lot even for me already in the camp of like i think mobile games can be cool it's like, oh okay now i'm fully in like this has shown a light on the genre 
run in such a way that I think is going to help people realize that mobile games can be something that they have not been commonly. If yeah. That makes any sense. Yeah. Absolutely. No, I, I agree. Um, because I, I feel like it, when you say mobile game, that's weirdly like a loaded phrase to a lot of people, where like sure. they just think of Candy Crush or like Dots. Or yeah. what is it? Oh, two dots. Like that. That is like people's associations with it. Pretty much just like puzzle games, match three games, things like that. Um, but there is so much more to offer there. And and you and I have covered those games pretty extensively. We talked about them a lot. We talked about Sky and and the Altos games, Florence, things like that. That stuff does exist. But like the majority of what is on the App Store is closer to the dots and to the to the match three like Candy Crush kind of stuff. And to be fair, that is stuff that I also play like I think there is merit to that stuff I think that that stuff can be good even if you run into problems where like the game is trying to get money out of you like you can still continue to play those games they are free to play uh you might hit a wall at a certain point and then if you don't feel like paying any money like bail like that's the end of the game for you you know what I mean but I I have always been in the camp of like if I'm playing a free to play game and I like it enough and I played it for enough hours and it's asking me for money for some reason I will do that to support the developer because I've gotten like I've gotten uh, enjoyment out of a product that somebody made you know but that said the stuff that's showing up on apple arcade is like fucking elevated dining you know it's like we, we've been yeah, like yeah yeah i don't i don't want to call it mcdonald's maybe maybe more like five guys or like a shake shack you know is, is what we've been eating <laughs> uh, up until apple arcade right now we're at the grand Lux cafe baby this is cheesecake factory <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, here um, we are. Uh, I can't wait to get my uh, beeper to wait an additional 40 <laughs> minutes for my table. Why is a, just a hot Cheesecake Factory take for you? Why is that always the case? I've been there like three times and they're always like, here is a beeper. Uh, wait 40 minutes to two hours for another beeper. We've booked you a hotel. You're eating here tomorrow yeah. morning and it's going to be yeah. fine. It's going to be like Applebee's. With you have a, you have a like, 16 hour off. layover <laughs> in this Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> hey, you want to hang out this weekend? Nope. I got to fly to fucking Denver. Denver to go to Cheesecake Factory in New Jersey. <laughs> Don't ask. I got to pick up a third beeper. Kill me where I stand. So. <laughs> wow, I got heated on that. Yeah, hey. I've only been there like three times. <laughs> uh, I mean, the mac and cheese bites are worth it, though. Anyway. Yeah, that's true. So I, I think that's like a pretty good overview of Apple Arcade. So it the stuff isn't available on Mac or Apple TV yet. I'm very excited for that stuff to happen because I'm excited to play. There are some games I specifically have not checked out yet because I'm waiting for like controller support on my Mac or on my Apple TV. But that said, the stuff that I have downloaded is all uh, amazing. We are going to talk pretty extensively about Sinar Wild Hearts and uh, another game for the beginning of Spooky Season, which I, we haven't even mentioned yet. But uh-huh. this is our first episode in October. Yeah. We're going to talk about scary games every week so there yes. there is one on apple arcade that you and i want to talk about a bit but are there any other games that you wanted to talk about before we get into sign our wild hearts um oh yeah i actually i was planning on us like doing this kind of a brief overview of what we've been playing yeah totally i think i think or you can hear it, more but... of my uh hot cheesecake factory takes if you want that instead That'll be our bonus episode for October. <laughs> hey, patrons, thanks for your support. Uh, so the thing about Cheesecake Factory is Here's like, five hours on Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. So the game. By the way, thank I, you to everybody who listened to the entirety of that bonus episode about Fire Emblem. That's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> that. for real. Uh, we got a... A lot of you shared your positive feedback with that, and we were very flattered. Uh, we're happy you enjoyed it. We're happy and like in the most positive form of disbelief that a lot of people listen to the whole thing. Uh, <laughs> yes. So thank you. And yeah. yeah, bonus episodes in the future won't always be that long, um, but it just depends on what the topic is. 
Yeah. It depends on how not chill I am about whatever we're talking about. <laughs> Brendan's doing fine. I, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the wild card here. Wait until um, Animal Crossing comes out, my guy. Yeah, that's true. We'll have like a Warholian 24-hour like uh, Empire-esque short film of Animal Crossing. Don't you put that idea in my head. That's just us fishing for, for a day. <laughs> the light in your... I've never seen all of someone's cornea before until now. <laughs> Um, mm. actually, I think honestly, me bringing up Andy Warhol and Animal Crossing to you in particular is your data exploding. I think <laughs> that, I'm bringing it back, baby. All right, what have I been playing on Apple Arcade? You ask. Well, yes. Well, well kind stranger. Um, here what here's what I've been playing. So one game I've been waiting for for what feels like forever is Skate City. Um, yes, this is made talking by about it a bunch for months. Yeah, so Skate City is made by the developers of Alto's Odyssey, which we talked about in a previous episode. Snowman is the developer. Alto's Odyssey and Alto's Adventure, for those not familiar, is heavily inspired by the Tony Hawk games. It's a downhill, kind of like really zen, really beautiful uh, platformer, I guess, where you like yeah. you, you have to like overcome obstacles and collect things and it's like really beautiful art style and really wonderful music it's very immersive yeah uh, one of one of my favorite mobile games out there we so, haven't uh, talked about it we had we had an episode where we talked about alto's odyssey um i have not i don't think you and i have mentioned this or like i haven't talked to you about it at all but i have been on a quest to beat that game this year Oh yeah, uh, I've been playing it like pretty consistently on my commutes. Uh, I am close to the end of Alta's Odyssey, which is like wow. wild. That's amazing. Yeah. It, yeah, some of, some of the challenges get so fucking hard that it'll take me like a whole ass week to to get them. But anyway, sorry. Uh, let's let's continue. Skate City. It's funny. We've talked about that. We talk about this in the episode about Alta's Odyssey, but it is a game that is so zen and so relaxing that it's like. <laughs> the minute you hit a rock, it's like yeah. You know, it's like the music stops and it's like bonk. Like oh, all right. Yeah, which is uh, at Skate City too. <laughs> that is so, and Skate City kind of rolls into that a bit more. Skate City, there's a trailer for it, like from maybe 2018, maybe even 2017. This game has been in development for a while. Yeah, it feels like, and the trailer is just like kind of a like hand drawn outline of like people skating in a city with a like, cool music in the background but all that we really knew about the game was that it was made by the same developers and it was about skateboarding this time which kind of full circle back to their influence of tony hawk yeah but they were really like just making a tony hawk game um, yeah which there is a void for because the last tony hawk game was like a collective nightmare everyone had at the same time right um, and like everybody's been saying that they want a new skate game forever like yeah i actually i saw some data uh there's this really interesting company that like does real-time collection of data based on like twitch comments and tweets and stuff about like events and they they did one about e3 and the number one most talked about game at the most recent e3 was skate 4 a game that does not exist yeah wow that's that's really interesting yeah and skate for those unfamiliar was basically like more realistic because tony hawk got to the point where you were like flying and like (laughs) you know basically like I mean, like it really got to the point where it was truly Spider-Man skateboarding, mm-hmm. like in all in all genre associations. Yeah, um, which was great. But skate kind of was rooted in the idea of like what what does it take to like become like good at skateboarding? Anyone who actually skates, like I think, really loves skate because um, it's more realistic. It's more about right. the sport. It's more about the the athleticism required. Yeah. Um, 
And less about doing Christ airs over a flaming pit of tires. <laughs> exactly. So uh, uh, I almost said Alto City. Skate City is kind of in the middle of where it's like, it's definitely picked up the the soundtrack and the aesthetic of Tony Hawk. Um, there's like that kind of menu that has photographs of different cities. There's like really amazing soundtrack. Um, yeah, it's very, really good. Very lo-fi hip-hop adjacent. Less of the ska and like early punk of Tony Hawk and more uh-huh. of my current YouTube playlists uh, as I draw. But yeah. um, I love how that's also like I go into restaurants sometimes and I'm like, you're definitely putting on lo-fi beats to yeah. relax study to at your restaurant. Incredible. It's a good vibe. It's a great vibe. Uh, it's hard to emulate or it's hard to compete with, I should say. It's easy to emulate. Just go on YouTube. Anyway, so Skate City, uh, similar to Alto's Odyssey, you're kind of permanently going right. You can tap on the right to go faster um, and then you can do tricks. So like in Alto's Odyssey and Alto's Adventure, you're basically just jumping. You can hold jump to do like a somersault, but like that's yeah. basically it. So it seemed like Skate City's objective was not only to kind of emulate Skate and the design of Tony Hawk, but also to have like a meteor game in terms of like tricks, uh, in terms of like what you can do besides jumping over obstacles. Yeah. So uh, I'm pretty early on. I've just kind of gone through the t- tutorial and basically like if you swipe in different directions, you do different tricks. You can grind and then like you have to tap either side of the screen to like stay balanced. Um, mm-hmm. It's a really fun game. You can customize your skater, which I immediately just bought sunglasses. Still no. <laughs> yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Still no helmet, but I have like this dude with long hair and just sunglasses who constantly eats shit. I'm like, this is like my ideal hero. <laughs> Someone who's like <laughs> learning to skateboard and just get sunglasses. <laughs> I would recommend it to basically anyone. Uh, if you have any kind of place in your heart for the Tony Hawk or Skate series, you will love this game. It has the kind of zen relaxation of like, um, I think it was Andrea, uh, your co-host of No Script at All, who described it as mm. soft 3D in the Discord. Yeah. Because uh, you, you pointed out how like a lot of indie games now are going for this kind of like matte finish, sort mm-hmm. of like not fully rendered 3D. So I love the term uh, soft 3D. Credit credits to Andrea. Beautiful term. Yeah, honestly, I I want that to become the industry standard, that term. I soft so, 3D. I love it. <laughs> it is. So it's a soft 3D skater game and uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, the, yeah. e- each each level and each different city has different objectives. So like it's much more involved than Alto's Odyssey where Alto's Odyssey you can kind of play as you're falling asleep or on a train. Uh, yeah. Skate City is like probably a game that honestly wouldn't be too bad with a controller to be honest like yeah i'd be interested to see what the what the control scheme on a controller would be like for that game Um, yeah because the touch controls are actually really great i i'm i'm curious if they have controller support in that one and and what those controls net out to i'll i'll say about this game so i started making my way the first place that you can go to is los angeles uh and you're making your way through you know they have like objectives that you do where it's like okay so like while you're here you have to like complete all the tricks as they show up on the screen okay so you go through that and then you move on to the next challenge but there's also like a free skate mode which i thought was just a free skate mode but it turns out that when you go into those there's about like 50 objectives to complete in free skate um that you can also use to like get money and and points and whatever and that has been the thing that like really 
got me. That was the thing that like really locked me into this game. I wasn't super thrilled about just like going through objective after objective. Um, that was not really like drawing me in. The two things that got me into it were one, figuring out all those challenges in free skate mode. And number two, uh, looking at those lists of challenges and realizing that there were tricks in there that I didn't know how to do. And then I went back to like, they have a deeper tutorial. So there's one that you do right when you start the game, but then you can go into this thing that's like the trick book and you can like go through and see how to perform like a bunch of different things. Like manuals, for example, they do not teach you in the tutorial, but you can learn how to do them in in that like deeper tutorial section. Uh, so once I learned how to like manual and then like kind of chain tricks and combos together is really when Skate City took off for me. That was the moment where it was like, okay, cool. Now I'm like making my way downtown, walking fast, uh, grinding fast. You know? I, I was like, I was just counting the seconds of when you're going to start that. Those <laughs> lyrics. Yeah, it's once I started chaining stuff together uh, is when I started to feel both more like uh, Skate and Tony Hawk, but also more like Alto's Odyssey. It's when it became more Zen-like for me uh, because mm. like just going off a ramp and doing like a kickflip and then landing and like that's your whole trick was like, okay. I mean, it's more realistic that way, definitely, but it's not exactly the most like thrilling gameplay. Um, but <laughs> right, right. But once you land into a manual and then jump and then do like a blunt side grind and then fucking jump off that and do a little spin, like once you start chaining all that stuff together, that's when that game starts to hit like the flow state that I most associate with their games. Yeah, I, I like Skate City a lot. I have not played it as much as I'd like to, mainly because there are so many other games on yeah. Apple Arcade. But like it is one that I think I will keep going back to. Yeah, I would I would recommend it. I think it's it's just sort of like an inherently fun and pleasant experience. Yeah. I was laughing because I just got flashbacks of like high school, late middle school of like the kid who brings a skateboard to either recess or summer camp and is like just a circle of people watching him eat shit for like an hour. <laughs> like yeah. he's just like I didn't know it was like skateboarding was the one thing where there was an audience for failure. Whereas like mm-hmm. just watching someone try to do an Ollie for like two hours. <laughs> you know? No one's gathering around the guy tuning his guitar trying to get an A chord to ring out. You know what I mean? (laughs) And no, that wasn't me. I know how to play guitar. Thank you. Um, If I see this episode, let's keep that was me with the skateboard though in seventh grade. Maybe maybe you were who I was thinking of. It might be me. The mean ninth grader, like who's this idiot? Yeah, (laughs) spat gum on the floor and left. Uh huh. Okay, Uh, I don't like this mean Steven. Let's move on. Skate uh, City, a good game. Skate City, a good game. What the Golf, possibly my favorite game in Apple Oh, Arcade. wow. I can't believe we're doing What the Golf second. Okay, yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, what the Golf could very well have its own four-hour bonus episode. I love <laughs> this game. Uh, I love this game so much. So right away, I would say, like, I would put What the Golf in the absurd but oddly zen pantheon of Katamari Damacy and Untitled Goose Game, which we'll get into uh, oh, yeah. in the next episode. Absolutely. Yeah. It is... It is a game that goes out of its way to never be golf. It is never golf. <laughs> and somehow they have captured what goes into a good golf game. Yes. Uh, so right, aw- the first thing that happens is it loads up and there's a golf ball in like a you know, normal course. Uh, you pull back on the touchscreen to like determine how hard you're hitting the ball. The ball goes forward and hits, uh, hits the flag, but there's no hole. Right. It just That's hits the, the flag. closest it ever comes to being golf. And right. Once gets- you leave that first one, <laughs> all bets are off. And yeah, so yeah. I think the first time you hit the flag, it just says flag. 
Like, and mm-hmm. it says something different every time you beat a level. Yeah. Shortly after that, it's literally just like a bunch of golf clubs and no ball that you're sending. Again, with the with the amount of you know dragging, and then it hits the the flag. Yeah. I think the um, second one is is the best one. So like you go from that first one that is like actually kind of golf, even though you're not putting a ball in a hole. The second time, same situation. You're you know you have your little guy and he's holding the the golf club. Uh, it looks like almost the exact same thing, and you pull back as you would. Uh, to determine how hard you're going to hit it, you angle your shot and then you let go and it launches the golfer and not the <laughs> not the ball. Like the golfer yeah. just kind of like ragdolls through the air uh, and you have to slam him into the flag again and it just says, oof. When, one of, when one of my favorites, it just says golf with a question mark and suddenly you have to hold your phone sideways and you're a ball of slime that sticks to walls and you have to get to the end goal yeah um the way i described this game to somebody is um what if you shit post a whole video game (laughs) (laughs) it gets to the point where you're in space where you're like fighting an evil ai i it literally became mario brothers at one point where like yeah it it does a lot it does a lot of games i i don't want to like i don't want to i don't want to give too much away yeah 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 Um, but i I would yeah the idea that like it can be anything at any time, uh, I think, is really interesting. I, I will say, I think, I think the Mario Brothers one is a great example. Um, there's another one. Uh, there's another series of levels that is literally Super Meat Boy, also, but somehow still a golf game, and it's all controlled the same way. Everything you do is still controlled by pulling back and angling, uh, and then letting go. Like there's that a is... ton of soccer too. Like somehow, like they've made a good yes. soccer game. Uh, uh, it's just so funny. But again, the the, the driving force, and I, I agree with you. I didn't want to spoil too much because the driving force is like what are they going to do next how long can they commit to this joke yeah uh, and the answer is forever i am how far in are you i'm like 60 percent of the way in according to the i'm, the I'm probably half as far into it uh mm-hmm. but I'm, i was just gonna say the thing that is really impressive is like it's really like it shows off how well designed every variant of the game is yeah like it's always really fun to play you always have an idea of what the goal is sometimes it's really hard Yes. So like, it's never just like, you know, cause this could have easily been like, you laugh and they're like, okay, I can't play this anymore. This is too silly. Yeah. But, like it grips you. Like it really, it gives you a very clear indication of what the goal is. You, um, it, it reminds me a lot of WarioWare Inc where it's like mm, a yeah. ton of like 10 second mini games and you know, like very, very like simple directions. They'll just be like climb and then you have to do it. So like, yeah. it, it's very much, I think actually WarioWare now that I say that is probably the closest comparison to this game. Probably. Yeah, I'll also say this. I this was my train game for a while. This was the game I was playing like on the subway every day. There, I hit a point where I can no longer play this game on the train, and that's all I'll say about it. There was a okay. point where I was like, "Oh God, this is what I have to do." Well, all right, uh, I'm gonna wait till I get home because I can't play this in public anymore. Because it was too engrossing, or, or like the content was weird. No, neither, neither. The okay. actual, the actual act of playing would have become uh, undoable. In a public setting. Okay. 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 Gotcha. That's all I'll say. Um, still fun. Still enjoyable. Not in like an uncomfortable way. Like I mean this in in purely the best way. It 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 just goes it goes as far as it possibly can in terms of using every bit of of the mobile device you're holding uh, as <laughs> as inputs. I'm really excited. Yeah. What the golf? Uh, really like easily one of my favorite games I've played in a while. Like it's it is yeah. it is just a testament to like a lot. I, I I love it. I can't I can't sing its praises enough. Yeah. So what the golf we could honestly probably have another episode about that game. 
Uh, yeah, I'm really excited to finish it. I, I, I think that game is uh, is brilliant. Um, what else do I have here? Uh, you've played a bunch that I haven't played, and I've I, I have one in particular that I want to talk about that you haven't played. Yeah, though I so I, I played a few. I, I didn't keep all of them. So if I kind of balanced many of them, I just got rid of them to free up space in my phone. Mm. Um, one game that I just started that I'm really intrigued by is Tangle Tower, it which is, I hadn't even heard of. It's amazing that there are like games yeah. on here that I don't even know exist. Um, Tangle Tower is very much like sort of a point-and-click Tim Schafer adventure meets uh, Phoenix Wright in terms of being like a murder mystery. Oh, okay. So you, the first thing that happens is you're in an environment and you can like touch a part of the screen and two characters kind of narrate what they see and if they notice anything different. And you mm. have like a book of clues, basically. Yeah. And uh, like I just started, but... It has a really cool art style, really funny voice acting. It's got a lot of character to it, and I'm really intrigued to see where it's going. So mm. it's like, if you like kind of the murder mystery uh, point-and-click visual novel vibe of Phoenix Wright um, with the sort of like irreverence and art style of a Tim Schafer game and like light puzzles, I think you'll yeah. really like this game. Okay, I'm in, um, I'm in on that. Yeah, I think I think you, you, your face also lit up when I said that. Um, I still haven't gotten very far, so we'll see what happens, but I'm already kind of pulled into it, um, Yeah. so I'm going to try more of that. And I have one here called uh, Shinsekai, which I have not played yet, but that's that's it. Yeah, uh, I I have a bunch. I have a bunch of games. Um, the one that I was honestly most excited about playing that I have put the least amount of time into, I think, so far is called Card of Darkness, uh, which is by Zach Gage, who is just like a brilliant developer out of New York. Uh, you might know his work via Spell Tower or uh, Ridiculous Fishing he worked on with Flambeer. What else? Really Bad Chess was also him. Uh, the dude is just like kind of like prolific in his output of like just incredible mobile games. Uh, he made this one with Pendleton Ward of Adventure Time and uh, it, it it is a kind of like roguelike uh, deck building-esque. Uh, it, it is very interesting. Um, I have not put that much time into it because the mechanics are honestly like so in-depth that uh, it, it feels like I really need to like invest more time into figuring it out. Um, um, so I'll get to it eventually. Um, I played uh, another one called Mini Motorways, which is, I think, kind of a sequel to Mini Metro. It's by the same developer as Mini Metro, uh, which is just a, a beautiful game about like making subways in cities. Uh, this is pretty much the same, but you're doing that for, uh, well, motorways. You're doing it for highways and streets and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So essentially, it's all about like managing the uh, managing traffic in a place. So like, okay, this new building appeared. A whole bunch of people want to go from this point to that building. How do you create the path or how do you create the road that leads there without fucking up the the current flow of traffic in the city uh and that just increases over time it has a really like beautiful uh generative ambient soundtrack that goes along with it so like the the game is generating music based on the city that you're building oh um, i love that that's really cool it, yeah it's really pretty it's so so well designed like like visually designed um and also the game design is great but like the the visual and audio experience um i, I think is worth like checking out alone there's a new Frogger game called Frogger in Toy Town by uh, Konami and is great. It is a oh, really I got you that out. I love Frogger. It is really good. Frogger in this game fully realistic frog. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Sign which me is up. like 
partially horrifying, partially great. Uh, the whole that's, why, that's the, what I live for. The whole idea of it is like you're swiping to jump in whatever direction you want to go. Um, but it's in like kind of a uh, Toy Story esque world, uh, which also means that there's like intense physics objects. So like you will bump up against things. You'll like have to jump into things to knock them over, and then like stick to them because you're a tree frog, so you can like stick to them and like climb up uh, and and hop across. Uh, very fun game. Highly recommended. And the last one I'll mention before I get into like a, a bigger one uh, is Exit the Gungeon, which is a spinoff yeah, yeah. pseudo sequel to Enter the Gungeon, uh, a wonderful roguelike game available for like pretty much every platform. Exit the Gungeon is interesting. It is hard. It is really hard. And I, for that reason, have not put that much time into it. But it is essentially you are trying to leave the Gungeon uh, by jumping up and uh, shooting and killing things with uh you know the the billion guns that you get and enter the gungeon uh similarly it it is it is poised as like an actual sequel i think but i have pretty much only made it through the tutorial and like my first run of it and it is difficult and i, I need to put more time into it that's the thing there's like so much stuff that it's like yeah. hard to put time into things so if memory serves uh enter the gungeon was a top-down kind of zelda-esque in terms of the presentation yeah bullet um, hell kind of right. game right and Exit the Gungeon is a side scroll. It's a 2D side scroller, right? Yeah, it's it's. I would say it's a vertical scroller. You're just going up. Gotcha. gotcha. Um, you're just jumping up to escape the Gungeon as it explodes beneath you. But it is still a bullet hell. You are still dodging out of the way of, of things shooting at you. You are shooting back. Um, the control scheme is honestly really surprisingly good for mobile. Um, it does a thing where if you're getting near an enemy, you will automatically just start shooting at them. Uh, so it's more about like worrying about your own movement than it is about like aiming and firing. Because I was like, okay, it's already like hard enough to figure out how I'm going to be like dodging out of the way and like jumping and things like that. And now you're giving me a gun and I have to like figure out how to shoot enemies. I was like, no, no, no. It's just handles that for you so that's nice uh exit the gungeon cool game i expect to see it on like switch or something eventually yeah um, i feel like it, it is full featured enough that it could end up there the last game i want to talk about like kind of more in depth is grindstone oh yeah which holy shit this game is really good uh you play as this like huge burly man in in like an extremely cold environment um he he has no shirt on so he is so cold that he has just turned blue permanently so you're playing as this giant blue man with a big sword uh and you have to go through levels kind of a la like a candy crush or something uh where there are a whole bunch of enemies on the screen on a grid um and they are are all uh, different colors. So it is kind of like a match three S game. But the way it works is you are creating pathways through same colored enemies. And uh, when you do that, you're like slicing through them with your giant sword, uh, just like taking out all these enemies uh, and, and the guts go flying everywhere. It is like extremely brutal, but it is also a cartoon. So it's like kind of gorgeous. And as you make your way through, the idea is if you get over 10, like if you can link 10 together, it'll drop a crystal on the ground in the grid, which will allow you to switch colors at a certain point. So like if you're going through all the green ones and then you hit a crystal, you can switch to like yellow enemies or purple ones. Mm. Um, so that's kind of like where where the where the challenge lies is like how big of a, of a chain can you get? And then they start introducing like, here's an enemy that is, you know, none of the colors, but will take, like you will have to chain through five enemies to be able to kill this one. So it's like, okay, how do I, how do I position myself in such a way where I can cut through all these dudes and then get this last one? And over the course of playing the game, you will continue to get like upgrades and new things. Like, so I have a bow and arrow now that I 
I can use to like take out one enemy on the grid whenever I want. I have like a like a Zelda sword spin attack that I can use to kill all the enemies around me. It is an extremely fun, extremely challenging game that I have pumped tons of hours into already. It's by uh, Cappy Games, who made probably, I think, in my opinion, the best mobile game ever made, uh, Sword and Sorcery EP, which is from like, I don't know, 20, maybe even like 2009, maybe 2010. Oh, wow. It's a really early mobile game. Really early, yeah. yeah. Um, one of my favorite games of all time. Like, just just beautiful, brilliant. Every time they release something, I'm like, I need to check it out. Uh, they also did Super Time Force. They're, they're just really good at their jobs. And Grindstone is uh, an incredible game that I can't recommend highly enough. Yeah. Those are the things that I've been playing on Apple Arcade, except for the other two games that we're going to talk about. Yeah. So why don't we take a quick break, and then we will get into those two games. Um, yeah. Maybe in the break, I'm going to talk about one more thing. Okay. I love that. See you cool. there. Goodbye. Bye. Hey, Brendan. Hey, we're in, we're in the break, and I hear whispers in the aether that you uh, want to talk about something Mario Kart related. Yes. Uh, so, strangely enough, the same week as Apple Arcade, uh, Nintendo decided to release Mario Kart Tour. I said that as if I was accusing them of something, like Nintendo decided to whatever. So, um, you know, like Mars Volta comes out with an album, and here comes Nintendo making their, you know... <laughs> Muse-adjacent uh, faux alt-rock album. Yeah. Man, Muse is that fine. Is, that, is what, that is what Mario Kart Tour feels like. Um, Mario Kart Tour is a mobile-only version of Mario Kart uh, made by Nintendo in a world where everything that they do is free to play with microtransactions in it, um, which has already caused a lot of hubbub, controversy, etc. Um, what I'll say about this game, just on a high level, it is Mario Kart. You're going through cups. As you as you would, you know, you're doing races. The the whole thing is played vertically with one hand. Uh, that seems to be like the Nintendo design philosophy for mobile games is like mm -hmm. you have to be able to play it with one hand. Um, the way Miyamoto described it when they first announced uh, Super Mario Run was uh, it's so you could play it on the subway. Unfortunately, you can't play any Nintendo game without a constant internet connection or else you get kicked out. So like you can't play it on the subway ever, uh, which is a bummer because I'm on the subway a lot. But uh, Mario Kart Tour, pretty much you, uh, there are two control schemes. One of them, the one that they recommend is called Drift Mode, in which swiping left and right only allows you to drift. Uh, so you like initiate drifting by swiping left and right. That is a fucking nightmare. I do not recommend using it. There's another mode called Simple <laughs> Controls, uh, which I would recommend. And guess what Simple does? It allows you to steer your cart by going left and right. <laughs> That so just for the record, like obviously you and I are huge Nintendo fans. Most of this show is us like gushing about Nintendo related stuff. Uh -huh. But they do famously they're like for everything they do right, they're like, here are the seven things we're always gonna fuck up, no matter yep. what. It's mm -hmm. like internet any like quality of life, like convenient design is just right. like out the window. Yeah. Uh, it's probably the best it's ever been on Switch and it's still a nightmare. Yeah. And like mobile games currently for Nintendo are still in that like just so behind on the times in a different realm. Model. Well, that's kind of why I wanted to bring it up. Yeah, um, so I'm curious if this is if this is in that realm or not. Yeah, it, actually, just a sidebar. It is worth mentioning the Switch Lite has come out since we last started recording, also, or since our our last uh, session. And I was 100% in on buying a Switch Lite, and then I found out how hard it is to have two Switches, um, and and how terrible the like data transfer is, and how there's no like account level stuff that you can do. Uh, and I have since decided to not buy a Switch Lite for my commute. So I just need Nintendo to like get it together <laughs> on that front but anyway uh 
Mario the fact Kart- that you were so close to buying the same system twice is yes. like that's like a testament to both how well they're doing and how awful they're doing. Where yes. it's like just get make it work. Like I, I really don't want to sound like a spoiled brat, but it's like this is like everyone else is doing it, so why shouldn't you? How many times do I have to do I have to tell Nintendo that I want to give them money before they accept my money? You know right. what I mean? That's like- basically <laughs> what it boils down to. Is like you're doing your thing so well, but why can't I just like the fact that if you want to change the rules of a Smash Arena, you have to destroy the entire arena. Like, like reconnect, resubscribe yes. to Nintendo Online, write a letter. <laughs> like it's like you have to I'm talk joking. to somebody at GameStop for fifteen minutes. I'm joking, but like only about one of those things. This is an icebreaker. I'm telling two truths and a lie about Nintendo Online. Yeah, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Like it's so frustrating because there's so. Just for the record, I think the the online for Smash is like fine like it works like it now works and like it's a fun experience to play with friends but like it's still not what everyone wanted it to be right which is just the default of what everyone else is doing yeah that's the that's like the most negative i'll ever be on this show but like it's just frustrating (laughs) it is frustrating yeah it's the thing it's we're coming from a place of just like disappointed dad this is nintendo (laughs) they're doing fine they could have internet work they could have a design where it's not like you had to send your like second cousin a letter if you want to sign up for something yeah uh anyway moving on (laughs) mario kart tour so this game plays exactly like every mario kart game in all the good ways, uh, as cool. you are, as you're playing, you will, you know, pick up items. It, I mean, it's just Mario Kart. I don't even think I need to really go into like the gameplay of Mario Kart. Imagine but, this: Donkey imagine Kong this. behind are, the wheel. <laughs> Mario, <laughs> but a baby. <laughs> imagine this: you're Mario racing against your brother, your younger self, and a ghost. <laughs> 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 riddle me this your pink gold peach i know i got nothing else let's keep going on um so the interesting thing about this game it is it is like an always online like connected constantly changing game so during launch um what, what they're doing is every two weeks they will change this city that it takes place in uh which is where the tour element comes in so the first the first two weeks of launch are are new york city uh so they have created a new map like a new a new track that is like new york city based uh, oh that's cool you like start yeah. in Times Square and you go through Central Park and like it's it's pretty rad. So you make your way through that and then you just keep going through different uh different tracks that are all just like best of hits from other games, which is great. Like I don't I don't really mind that they didn't make new tracks for this game because they're just pulling in all my favorite ones from every other Mario Kart game, which is kind of what they did in Mario Kart 8 and I still liked it then. You know, I just like playing Mario Kart. I got I, I got a quick question for you. What are your favorite tracks? I got to know. Jesus. Um Okay, big fan of all the Rainbow Roads. Think they're great. Yeah, um, you got the I steampunk lo- one, the foggy one, and uh-huh. the space one. All good. My my favorite track ever, for obvious reasons, is the Animal Crossing track from. Mario oh Kart yeah, 8. I sure. Mean, it's it's just unbelievable. Actually, most of the Mario Kart Eight stuff I think is is incredible. Um, but that's at the 3DS one where you're going across like the pianos and stuff. Great. The one inside the clock. Great. You know the hits. They're good. What about you? I love Toad's Turnpike because it reminds me of New it's Jersey. Awesome. It's just yeah. the New Jersey Turnpike. It's just, there's no fantasy. There's yeah. no genre. It's just the New Jersey Turnpike. And yeah. also, I have a theory about that level that if you're from New Jersey, you will get first place on that level no matter what. <laughs> my 
so whenever I'm home, my mom and I play Mario Kart. It's like a tradition. Yeah. And like, she's fine. Like she obviously doesn't play video games a, a ton. She's, you know, got a lot of responsibility, uh, unlike her son. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, like I grew up with this. So like, you know, we're, but she does fine, but she's unbeatable at Toad's Turnpike. She will get first like while chatting, you know, just like yeah. not even paying attention and just like drifting at the right time. Like, I love you know, that. like letting people go, then throwing a shell at them. It's like that is the Garden State level. Yeah. Turn out there. Whenever I whenever I meet people from outside of New Jersey and they're like, oh, where are you from? And I say New Jersey like, oh, man, how's driving there? I just always say it's like learning to drive in Mad Max Fury Road. Like that is... <laughs> That is what it is like to learn to drive in New Jersey. And once you do that, it's it's pretty much like taking a defensive driving course, like with the police, like as just a day to day, like going to Barnes and Noble. Like you, you joke, but like without fail, if you're on the turnpike, you will see just like ripped tires on the shoulder. Yeah, it's and like someone will just be like, fuck off out their window for like no reason. Like basically like a notch below like, oh, what a lovely day. Just, yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, there are really people spray is. painting their teeth silver constantly on E17. <laughs> right by Victor's house of music. Deep cut. <laughs> anyway, so this is what Mario anyway. Kart Tour is like, essentially. Yeah, so so it's just kind of like a best of a bunch of things, uh, and, and you just make your way through a cup, and as you do that, you will get points for the different things that you're doing, whether it's, you know, hitting people with shells or, like, passing, you know, going from first to second, or sorry, from second to first place or things like that. Like, as you continue to do things that you would naturally do while playing these games, you accumulate points. By the end of those... You know, based on whatever place you get, you will get more points for uh, your different placements. Uh, and there are certain thresholds. And if you pass those thresholds of points per race, you will get what are called grand stars. And if you get enough of those, you can move on to the next cup. You unlock that and you go through the next four courses. Um, so that's kind of the progression of the game. You're also like leveling up uh, your yourself and your uh, drivers and your carts and gliders and things like that. Uh, so there's like experience bars on everything. So there's like... 80 million ways to progress in this game. But the big thing, the thing that I think a lot of people are bumping up against, and the reason I wanted to bring it up in this episode specifically, is all of the monetization that happens in this game is like the worst version of it, essentially. Um, so the way it works is kind of like a Fire Emblem, Dragalia Lost, any gacha game. Um, you are pretty much collecting like an in-game currency very slowly that allows you to uh, go to like a warp pipe and then you kind of like pull it down and then it shoots something out of it. And that could be a new character, a new cart or a new glider. It could also be the same of a thing you already own, which just levels up, quote unquote, that thing that you already have, which like really sucks when you get like duplicates of everything. Um, but that is how you unlock <laughs> I have, characters. I have eight Mortons. Fuck off. <laughs> Uninstall. Uh, that is how you unlock characters in this game. That is how like you do not have Mario in this game when you start playing Mario Kart Tour. Like you you have that to unlock Mario. That sums up Nintendo's blind spots. That, yes. That's just it right there. You don't have Mario and you can't connect to the internet. <laughs> Um, at this point, having played like a ton of it, uh, I, I have a bunch of characters, which is you know great. It's it's fine. I'm unlocking them at like a clip that I feel comfortable with currently. I do wonder if eventually it's going to get like so difficult because like maybe maybe the it'll ramp up and get like extremely hard, and I'll need like better characters and better carts and stuff like that. But so that's one element of it. The pricing on on those characters, like for example, just to give you a rough estimate, uh, it takes forty five 
red rubies uh, to get 10 pulls from, from the warp pipe, uh, which is a sentence that just makes no fucking sense if you haven't heard the 20 minutes of preamble I just did. But anyway, it takes 45 of those gems to do that 10 times. If you wanted to buy those, it would cost you, I think, around $50. What? Yeah. No way. That it sucks. might it might be it might be like thirty. It might be thirty, but like either way, it yeah, is a lot. lot. It is yeah. it is a lot of money to get uh you know a, to play a, as Mario. Yeah. <laughs> to get a, to, to get a, a glider with Wario's mustache on it, you know, like <laughs> to get new tires for Wendy. No, thank you. Right. I'm not gonna pay fifty dollars for that. So that that is kind of like the game uh, or or what the game's operating in. And then on top of that, there's a subscription that you can get for this game. Good. It is. Believe it or not, $5 a month, just like Apple Arcade. Uh, and what that does is it gives you essentially what is like a Fortnite-esque battle pass or like an Apex Legends battle pass, where as you continue to make it through the different cups, uh, there will be like standard unlocks that you'll get if you don't have the subscription. And if you do have the subscription, you'll get extra unlocks. So like a, a golden version of, of a cart or something or extra rubies that you can use to get more characters, things like that. So you get like the kind of tiered unlock system if you have the subscription. But the most important thing, and this is the thing that a lot of people have been harping on, is the other thing that you get with this subscription is the fastest racing speed. So you have 50, 100, and 150. You unlock 200 CC by paying $5 a month, which is like not great to like literally paywall part of the game from people on top of that like if you pay the subscription fee you are getting more shit which allows you to become better which allows you to beat everyone else when you're playing it so like it is very literally pay to win also it is like doing everything the worst way which sucks because i've been playing the game a lot and it's really good once you get good at the steering once you fucking get good i can't believe i just said that once you get good at the steering like it is a fun game it is like yeah it is literally the dream of having mario kart on your phone it rules but there's so much bullshit in the way of like by by way of the monetization that like it is turning so many people off i have been having a great time i have not paid any money it has been fine but i do understand where people's grievances are especially in a world where apple arcade came out the same week yeah. also costs five dollars a month and it gets is... you 60 full ass <laughs> games some of many which, of which are going to be on my game of the year list yes <laughs> like, yes so and, the fact that i can pay five dollars a month to get 200 cc in mario kart comparatively is like this makes no fucking sense but also nintendo released a game for iphone super mario run came out premium pricing ten dollars this is a full mario game you can buy it you could play the whole game and people did not people were like revolted against the ten dollar price tag and because of that they were like okay let's go the exact opposite direction with fire emblem make this free to play and uh and and have a bunch of like in-game microtransactions and that game makes a fuckload of money so like obviously that's what nintendo was going to do that's what the market demanded nintendo did so that's what sure. they're doing now you know they tried both ways and people didn't respond to the first one so like yeah i get I people are upset about it but also it's like you dug the grave that you're laying in and now you're complaining about it you know what i mean so like right. my my take on this without being like too inflammatory i guess is is like enjoy the game that's there right like you they're not forcing you to pay any money it sucks that that stuff is in there it really does because it is predatory and bad but there is still fun to be had i've been having a great time with mario kart tour they're adding like online multiplayer so you can like add friends and then race against them soon like that stuff is all going to be really cool and fun and i'm glad to have it on my phone i am not glad that it is like a compromised version of a thing that i love yeah at the same time though nintendo we we touched on this uh i think 
one or two episodes ago with uh, the NES and SNES libraries that you get for having Nintendo Online. Yeah. Which is like a great deal and is kind of in a weird way their Apple Arcade or their Game Pass. Yeah. Like, totally. And I think like between the SNES library, Apple Arcade, and my experience playing Game Pass with you, I am warming up to the idea of like, I really like, at least for the consumer, again, because we don't know, we don't know how this works economically, nor could I truly ever, like, unless I had all the data in front of me and someone to tell it to me, I don't think I could really <laughs> make a hot take on that. Yeah. But I think the idea of like having a $5 or, or, you know, whatever, like low amount monthly subscription to have access to all these games and then if you especially love one you buy that one and maybe you cancel your subscription for a bit that's like a really good model i mean that's exactly what i did with sayonara wild hearts i have that game on ps4 i did the same Uh, thing with that game as we talked about uh i guess two weeks ago now i did the same thing with moonlighter with game yeah right so i think like they will probably make their money back in terms of you know having this subscription and again, I think it depends on, like you were saying before with, with an iPhone in particular, the economics of like keeping people on iPhone versus making direct profit off the game itself. Yeah. With Nintendo, it's like, I think they're just trying to figure out the mobile method and they're just doing what everyone else is doing before literally last week. So yeah, uh, it's weird too because ironically, we just said Nintendo, how do we give you money? And they're like, I don't know, this way? It's like, no, 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 no. You need to get better at us giving you money <laughs> you know we want to give you money in in a different way not in so i can play as like wario after spending two hundred dollars on the chance of getting wario right exactly or paying five dollars a month to maybe get wario like that's ridiculous yeah that's ridiculous i'm sorry that's that's pretty awful again it sounds like the game is fun but i i get why people don't. i will probably not get it because of that honestly mm. so yeah oh I shouldn't say I won't get it because of that, but I don't really like need Mario Kart on my phone. I love the Mario Kart experience I have on the Switch. So like yeah. I'll probably just bounce from it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's Mario Thank Kart Tour. That, that ended up being more than a break, but uh let's go back and talk about a game we love. <laughs> yeah, no, that that was it it was worth bringing up to compare to Apple Arcade for better or for worse, you know? Yeah. Totally. I think that it's interesting to track how things are changing and and what the subscription model means and like what's because again, like we're, I'm open to understanding all of this. I think like you have shed a light on like what these companies are trying to do and like what truly makes money and like kind of humanizing the the people working on the game, trying to make their money back at the very least. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah. so yeah, it's it's a big conversation, but I think it sounds like Mario Kart is not the way to do it. But it sounds fun. Let's move on uh, to sign our Wild Hearts. Goodbye. Yes. Hell Goodbye. Yeah. Uh, Brendan, I'm going to, before you can say anything, uh, yeah, wow. I'm going to say that, so you were gone this week. Mm-hmm. I picked up Sayonara Wild Hearts, had not heard about it before it came out. Uh, just for the Oh, record. okay. I saw footage of it. I saw some, uh, some dis- discussions about it in our discord. Um, and I was like, oh, this game looks really cool and bought it on the PS4. It was on switch. It's on Apple arcade, but I got a PS4 cause I was like, I want to have the best like audio set up for this. Um, mm-hmm. Not that like having it on Switch would result in less good audio, but I also hadn't really gotten anything for PS4. I just felt like I yeah, might as well dust this thing off and put Sign Our <laughs> Wild Hearts on it. Uh-huh. Um, I started playing it, 
And we, in passing, have described certain games on the show as our children. Uh, <laughs> you know, like if we fused uh-huh. and and had a kid together. So mm-hmm. far, our children are Dragon's Dogma, which I would say is our first child. Yeah. Uh, kind of awkward. Uh, but you know, has inherited like our our personalities in some way, and and resulted in Dragon's Dogma. Yeah, um, kind of like on on a, on the surface level, seems like the fuck up, but is actually like becoming a successful holding adult. shit together. Uh, yeah. oddly paternal. Uh, this <laughs> the second <laughs> child we had was Slay the Spire. Uh, mm-hmm. definitely middle kid, hardest working, most awkward. Uh, <laughs> our youngest child, the artist. <laughs> is Sayonara Wild Hearts. I played this game and I felt like I was inside your head. It was like someone yeah. put my love of tarot into your like right brain, like your love of music <laughs> and uh-huh. of the color scheme, pink and purple. Like mm-hmm. it literally is the Into the Aether color scheme, this game for the most part. Yeah, um, yeah. it's kind of unreal. I played it, I beat it in two sittings. Mm-hmm. I've since gone back and played a lot of levels that I especially liked. And I have listened to the soundtrack a lot on Spotify. Yeah. I and and the whole time I was like, I just feel it that Brendan like loves this game. I felt <laughs> like your in your absence, I felt your presence in this game so strongly. Yeah. So now I'll give the floor to you. I just I just had to say that this game is our third child. Yeah, uh, no, absolutely. It, it, yeah. That's a it's a good um it's a good overview. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I saw this game in a Nintendo Direct. I think maybe it was E3. It might have been the most recent E3 Nintendo Direct that they showed this game off for the first time. It might have been earlier than that. But it was in a Nintendo Direct. Uh, was the first time I saw it, and I was immediately like, I need that thing. I need mm-hmm. that like immediately. It's by uh, Samo- Samogo, I think is the name of the developer. They made games like Year Walk, uh, Device 6. They, they are just kind of like known for making really incredible mobile games. That was like their background. Um, So it was interesting to see them show up on a console uh, and also interesting to see them go from like a horror game kind of focus to like, we're just going to make this. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I saw somebody on on Twitter. I I don't know the name of the account, but I retweeted it so you can go back and find it. Somebody called this game Carly Rez Jepsen, which is like, oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) It's like the best way of describing what this game is it is a it is a like adventure rhythm game i would say maybe um that is set to pop music that has all been made in-house by the developers uh so they did not like go out and find people they like made it like in in-house which is really impressive uh because this album fucking rules like this is it's just really a good, good yeah it's just it's a good really pop good. album like outside of like being great in the game um it is just a good pop album uh they describe this game as an as an interactive pop album which I think is also a great way of describing it. Uh, but you are super right. I, I started playing this game. It was the first thing I downloaded on Apple Arcade. The last game I checked out uh, as soon as I uh, got into the beta, I waited until I got home from my commute and I sat down and I was like, okay, it is time. Uh, and I played through the whole thing in one sitting. Fucking loved it. Loved this game. Uh, immediately, uh, I don't think this is spoiling anything, but when you when you beat the game, uh, you unlock a mode that allows you to play the whole game. So like pretty much you're going level by level the first time you play it. When you finish it, you unlock a mode that allows you to play the whole game uh, without needing to like back out and go to a menu and move on to the next level. So you can kind of just like sit down and play the whole thing straight. So the next day I did exactly that. And as soon as I was done with it, I said, you know what? I want to play this game with real buttons. So I downloaded it on the Switch because it came out on Switch the next day. Um, and I played it again all the way through two times on the switch uh, and now I am going through again and getting 100% on every level uh, as I make my way through this game is perfect 
It is a perfect video game. I love it dearly. Do you want to talk about what it's about? Because I think you have a bit better, uh, you have a better <laughs> understanding of the oh, tarot you know side I of these do. things. Yeah. yeah, I'm the I'm the witch of the group here. Yeah. Um, so you play as a young woman who has recently had her heart broken, and it has cosmic results because of that. So mm-hmm. uh, there are three tarot cards that show up that are like the agents of chaos. Basically, I think it's death the devil and the hermits, Mm -hmm. which are really interesting. They're they're pretty aesthetically easy to villainize. Um, The meaning of the cards themselves are not inherently bad, but just on a surface level, death is symbolic of like a sudden change. Um, It's, it's usually, uh, it usually represents because the thing about tarot is like, it's not really telling the future. It's more of like, what can you interpret from the card itself yeah actually i highly recommend the twitter account jessica door she uh is a tarot reader and every day she just draws a different card and just like writes a quick synopsis of like just general good insight she's not saying like this is going to happen to you like you know some horoscopes are she's just like hey how do you deal with grief and maybe this is something to consider i love it i I love her account i recommend it and i also just love the artwork i I would love to make a tarot deck one day it's one of my dreams but uh, oh yeah you should do that um i probably will i tried to make one of just sloths a long time ago and i think i might do that one day oh my god i love that you should (laughs) Uh, definitely definitely do that yeah maybe maybe i will uh anyway so death usually represents a sudden change and can often be positive uh but that's what that means the devil is the idea that you are too attached to the physical realm in some way Mm -hmm. uh in regards to a relationship that might mean you maybe have attached yourself to someone for more surface reasons than than something more you know yeah more appropriate for a long-lasting relationship the hermit i think that's what the third card is the hermit is someone i I always thought that they modeled luke in last jedi after the hermit because someone in a gray robe at the peak of a cliff Uh, interesting this is popularized by stairway to heaven uh led zeppelin's album you know led zeppelin uh but uh the hermit is the idea that someone has ended their journey has recognized both the good and bad parts of themselves and has kind of found inner peace or seeking inner peace Mm. i always thought it was interesting that that luke kind of had that sort of gray robe weighing him down because he's someone who had like been a hero been tempted by the dark side and is now kind of like isolated himself yeah Uh, a true gray jedi in that way not to get too into star wars but i'm trying to make this as nerdy as possible (laughs) um so uh so those are the three cards that are representative of like the antagonist of this game and it begins with you chasing a butterfly and you're skateboarding down a cliff so in the very beginning it's just kind of moving to and fro to collect items yeah and honestly like this game is so beautifully animated and the music is so great and everything is to the music that i'm like this could have been the whole game and i still would have loved it yes yeah, um i was in from from the opening narration to the title screen yeah. as soon as the, the the song that plays on the title screen as soon as that hit i was like this is one of my favorite games this year i didn't yeah. even press start game yet i was like i love this so you're chasing a blue butterfly and then you eventually find it and you find the fool tarot card, mm-hmm. uh, which is the uh, beginning and end. The major arcana kind of tells a story. I love if anyone doesn't know, I know about this shit like quite extensively. Yeah. They're like, what is Steven revealing right now? <laughs> but don't, uh, don't yeah, test the, me. The protagonist becomes the fool in like a, in like a Sailor Moon-esque transition that happens. I was going to say too, very similar to Persona. Because I mean, Persona has yeah. a running theme of this blue butterfly being a symbol. Mm-hmm. And you get kind of a like masquerade party mask. You look like a phantom thief by the end. You kind of transform yeah. into this hero. Um, 
and after that, you just start kind of like a very like popified version of the warriors. You encounter groups of these masked figures on motorcycles or different vehicles or different vehicles and and that's the thing it's hard to say what genre this game is because kind of similar to near automata where like that game is constantly shifting perspective and the perspective changes the genre and now near automata that whole game i think is about shifting perspectives both with the characters and the stories and the ideologies and the gameplay yeah go on and on but with Sinar wild hearts it sometimes is just directly res there's at one point you get a bow and it's like literally a rail shooter where you're highlighting a cursor over things Mm -hmm. sometimes it feels like tony hawk you're like on a skateboard uh sometimes it feels like ddr where it's like more of a rhythm game hitting buttons at the right time it really feels like a giant like beautiful music video homage to arcade games in general like i feel like it nods at so many it feels like a game that would be on the dreamcast um and i mean that as a compliment where it's totally this feels like a game that you could see someone playing because the dreamcast in many ways is cited as like the swan song of the arcade era at least in the u.s Mm -hmm. so many games in the dreamcast that just immediately catch your attention for being like so out there and weird and have like an arcadey vibe to them like jet set radio yeah uh, all the fighting games like the list goes on uh and this game kind of captures what res did another dreamcast game and for those unfamiliar res is a rail shooter where you play as like a weird the story of res is you play as a hacker who's trying to convince an all-powerful ai to not kill themselves that is never addressed in the in the game but that is on the back of the box. I didn't know that. There's, that's that's wild. Yeah, but what Res is known like for fucking like trance music. Yeah, like ninety early two thousands trance music. Res is a beautiful game. One of my favorites. Love Res, and all your actions kind of tie to the music. It's a yeah. very audio and visual experience. And just like Res, so is Sinar Wild Hearts. But like replace the sort of Tron cyberpunk with like uh, Carly Res Jepsen, as you said, uh, or like <laughs> yeah. you know very stylish very soft 3d and that's where the term came up with andrea with this game uh and the color palette is just unreal every shot is like so stylized and yeah i i was showing this game to some people in the office i guess like the day apple arcade went into beta or i guess the day after after i played it and the two things i kept touching on were like first of all this when you finish this game like by by the last i would say like two levels this game feels like one that was sent back from the future to the present day like there's like it doesn't feel like a game that would be made and released in 2019 like it feels like it has learned a whole bunch of lessons that we haven't even like bumped up against yet uh and is like a perfect crystallization of something that like we'll get in like 2025 (laughs) simultaneously it is a game that i cannot believe my brain can visually parse as i'm playing it yeah there is some stuff visually that is happening that feels like it is it is fucking just set up for like a cataclysmic disaster of of like game design and like almost like winter soldier activation words that'll like turn my brain off if I look at it for too long. (laughs) And simultaneously it all makes sense. And I know exactly what to do in every moment. And like, yes, you will like, you know, lose every once in a while, but you know why you lost. Like you can still figure out what is happening, but there's so much going on on the screen constantly between like, flashing lights and colors and different enemies showing up and like weird like collectibles that you have to get in like bizarre ways by I mean the game has like four inputs it's like you swipe left and right and you tap on the screen like those are the only things that you can really do but some 
how those are all used to such great effect that like sometimes the game feels like it should be overwhelming, but is still like Zen like in, in its execution. It is wild how well this game works. It doesn't make any sense yeah. to me. It's incredible. I think a standout level for me was you get a big sword and you swipe someone in half and they become two people and they start snapping. Yeah. And it changed the level is called Parallel Universes, also the song. And it changes the level whenever they snap. And then you start snapping eventually, too. So the level is changing three times. Yeah. And that's it was in that moment where I realized that I have to be listening to the music. Yes. Like, that's so funny. That's everyone I've am. talked to who's played this game yeah. has said the same. Like they always bring up that same level as like the moment when their brain clicked. Same thing. with yeah. me. That was that was yeah. the moment for me as well. Because before that, I was like, man, because like, they and up until that moment, they gradually they do a good job of gradually introducing new elements. I think it's like the second or third level where you're actually hitting buttons mm-hmm. before then. It's just going it's just swaying left and right. Yeah. Um, and by the end, you're doing like you're doing a lot. Uh, it, it's constantly changing genre and it all works. It all flows beautifully yeah. to the music. And it's it's a really wonderful experience that I would recommend to anyone and on any platform. I mean, it sounds like it works on mobile. I have it on PS4 and it feels great. I think whatever has the best audio setup, do that. That's sort of my my pitch for this game. Like whatever yeah. provides you with the best like audio input do or audio output, do that. I will recommend not playing it on mobile with wireless headphones as I did the first time I played through it uh, because there is just enough audio latency between what is happening uh, on the screen and what you have to be doing or, or and what you're hearing that you will mess up a lot. And I didn't realize that I was essentially playing the game accidentally in hard mode my first time through because I was playing on wireless headphones. Um, when I played it on Switch hooked up to like a good ass speaker system was when that game like really settled in for me. And uh, that's how yeah. I'm playing it now. I think it's also like this game feels like the like f- the the star amongst the like first wave of apple arcade games absolutely it feels like it was kind of pitched that way but it's also a testament there are there are other games that feel this like grandiose in their presentation and this like i get i don't want to use the term meaty but like you know again Mm -hmm. even i kind of have certain expectations for mobile games and the fact that this is a game that you can get for free if you have apple arcade it's a game that you can get for 15 bucks on other platforms it's representative of like i think what the intention behind apple arcade is is yeah um and even separate from that it's just, it's just a beautiful game i i think it's one of my favorites of this year as well uh i think it captures in terms of story like it again it's very abstract it's very visual uh there is a narration but you're not really getting many details but like it does capture the vibe of like after a breakup just wanting to go in a car and blast your favorite music you know yeah. that like very kind of dream like everything kind of weighs more after a breakup you know like the world just feels heavier and like yeah totally th- th- this turnaround of like becoming a superhero version of yourself to like go through all the stages of heartbreak and eventually come around to like self-acceptance and self-celebration and like loving others again is really beautiful uh, yeah. and, and it's it's so abstract that you can kind of put any interpretation you want on it uh, that's kind of what I took from it yeah but I was I, I, all I, in. I think that I think that's the that's the vibe the the minute they brought up tarot cards I was like okay I'm on board <laughs> that, and that's that's also when I realized that this game is one of our children yeah because uh, it's like if you put my strange like wizardry with your love of music and the color mm-hmm. the color scheme in display here yeah it's uh it's an incredible game can't recommend it highly enough i I, actually it's worth mentioning just uh mechanically this almost feels what the golf adjacent believe it or not in that every level (laughs) has like 
a completely different input. You're like riding a different thing. It's not always a motorcycle. It will change level by level. And sometimes it will only be like briefly in a level. It'll be yeah. like, okay, not to spoil too much, but like, okay, I'm, I'm riding like an albino stag through the woods for like 45 seconds. And now I'm back on a motorcycle. You know, like that kind of stuff will happen like all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just amazing how, how varied this game is and, and how they really explore like everything you can do with only like three inputs. It's amazing. Yeah, I think I think if I were to, uh, I just I'm so excited for the phrase "what the golf adjacent" to be a new term we can use. Yeah, um, it's the new. But I think the end, but less cursed. <laughs> it's much less cursed. Sinar Wild Hearts is wonderful. Would recommend to anyone really, uh, and that's I think what's cool about a lot of the up arcade hits so far for me, like "what the golf" and Sinar Wild Hearts. I could recommend to anyone, and I could just show them it, and they would be on board. Like there are games that I love that do not show well. Uh, Not to bring it up for the 20th time, but friends came over, watched me play Fire Emblem Three Houses. And like, that's a game that we've got on record loving and adoring. But if you walk in on the wrong time of that game, it doesn't look great. No, no, not at (laughs) all. You know, like they walked in on me like eating with Raphael and then like, you know, like (laughs) someone getting kidnapped. Like, what is this? I'm like, it's great. Trust me. But, you know, (laughs) it's Game of Thrones. I promise. Yeah, it's really good. Just bear with me here. Uh, yeah, anyway. actually, it is worth mentioning. Also, I know we're already past our what the golf segment, but there is a mode in that game that is called show a friend mode. And it is just like a selection of like four or five levels that you can just go through just to show people how good that game is. Yeah, which I love I, that I, they I, built that into it. I told a friend about what the golf at work who like hasn't picked up a video game since like the late 90s. And yeah. he like immediately fell in love. So yeah. there's something to be said for that, like immediate. Like, I don't think that's necessarily what a game has to be. I think Fire Emblem is like immediately appealing in a lot of ways but it is was funny to me like catching me in like the midst of the battle and then eating lunch it's like it could be a confusing experience to witness out of the immersive factor yes uh, but these anyway the show sign our wild hearts incredible game download it play it on any platform that you have that has it i think the only thing it's not on is xbox and obviously it'll never be on android because it's on apple arcade but sorry play this game we will talk about it again in our game of the year discussion i am sure yeah let's take a break and we'll talk we'll get into our spooky season yes unless you want to hear me talk about fire emblem just a little bit more yeah i can't believe there's more in either of our (laughs) systems about it even just in passing and the bit we just did i can't believe i had to bring it up again (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. Steven, it's spooky season. I it only give... took us like 18 hours to get here, but here we are yeah. talking about a spooky game. By the time this episode comes out, it will be October 2nd. Canonically spooky season. We've entered the realm of spirits yes. and ghouls and Frankenstein. Yes. Um, AJ, I want you to give us a little pep here. I want I want some uh, Halloween public <laughs> domain music. <laughs> you could throw it on just to set the mood. Uh-huh. Um, maybe let it linger a bit. Do whatever you see fit. You're the you're the master of this. But uh, basically what we do, self-explanatory, last year I started this without your consent. You just did it and you're like, okay, I guess. Uh, yeah. During, ho- during October, we'll talk about one kind of Halloween-esque game or one like horror seasonally appropriate game and we'll we'll go into that it could be new it could be old uh, in this case it is also in the apple arcade it's a game called bleak sword which yes. is a great title it's really good yeah this is developed by more 8-bit right is it the developer's name 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe so. Uh, published by Devolver Digital, which is why I downloaded it initially. Was just like, oh, cool. There's a Devolver game on Apple Arcade. I will play. Yeah, it. that Devolver are one of the many big names in the Apple Arcade kind of lexicon. And uh, I think of all the publishers, Devolver is probably the most equipped to make cool shit for Apple Arcade because uh, mm-hmm. they're like their whole brand is like really experimental, like usually action focused games that like push the envelope in some way. Yeah. Um. So they're most known for Hotline Miami. They also, uh, I think they published uh, Greece as well from last year, uh, which is a oh, did they beautiful really? game. Yeah, I believe. Let me double check that just mm. real quick. Oh, we um, didn't mention in the last segment, but uh, Sinar Wild Hearts is published by Annapurna Interactive, who also made Florence. So we were kind of predisposed to love that game, I think. Okay, I looked it up. Yeah, uh, Greece was d- uh, published by Devolver. Because in my head, I that felt more like an Annapurna game. Mm. But yeah. uh, Annapurna published Sinar Wild Hearts. Uh, Annapurna and Devolver, I feel like, are sort of at the front line of experimental cool indie stuff, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, it feels um, that way. So what is Bleak Sword? Bleak Sword is a pixel art uh, arcadey game that is very uh, Dark Souls inspired, which like mm-hmm. I almost have to pinch my nose when saying at this point, because like, look, I love <laughs> Dark Souls. I love From Software. Yeah. We love a lot of the genre now is Souls alike games like Hollow Knight, one of our favorite games, mm-hmm. um, Remnant from the Ashes, like a, a secret low-key favorite or not even secret it's out in the open but like you know we've we've enjoyed games that like are not chill about how much they borrow from dark souls yeah but i'm like almost getting sick of it at this point like what i love about dark souls is not like having a bonfire map. yeah agree- you know, like, okay there, i was about to say certain- there are a lot of lessons yeah. that i i want developers to learn from dark souls but you're right in that the thing that people tend to take from it is the like you rest at this place you fight a big boss you die a lot yeah you make your way from the resting place back to the boss and then you die a lot and eventually you make it through yeah and i think yeah. the reason we love hollow knight so much is because one hollow knight distinguishes itself right away by being I think more of a Metroidvania than a Souls alike in terms of its presentation and and like what the core of that game is. Yeah. But it does it does do what Dark Souls does well, which is like tell a really interesting story via the environment and via the characters. Mm-hmm. And I think that Hollow Knight has such an identity of its own in its aesthetic and in its just whole presentation that I don't feel the derivative gunk that I do with other Souls alike games. Yeah. You know, I'm even not playing- like Remnant, which to be clear, we both love that game, but the stuff that they pull from Dark Souls doesn't need to be there, really. Yeah. We don't need the fog. We don't need the bonfires. Like, it, yeah. it, you know, we don't need the Nietzsche quotes thrown at us, uh, <laughs> which I don't even know whose idea that was. But I can't actually I kind of like that. It's just so funny to me. Yeah. I say all that because. Yeah, I'm interested to see what connection yeah. you're going to make between Bleak Sword and Dark Souls. So Bleak Sword uh, is a game where you play as a as a knight uh, fighting through a lot of grim, dark environments, uh, fighting a lot of monsters and skeletons. The the intro is very funny. There's someone literally named the bleak king which mm-hmm. is like a great screen name if you need one uh and uh you know all all the expected stuff there's a prophecy you're going to fight the bleak king and you're fighting in the first level it's a forest second world is a swamp uh very yep. 
It's a very bleak game, but the presentation is all pixel art. It's all beautifully animated. Yeah, uh, it's, it's worth me. mentioning. It's not pixel art like 2D pixel art. It is it is isometric. Uh, so there is like kind of an isometric square uh, that each level takes place in, and enemies will come at you from different directions on that on that uh, isometric square. But it's almost, not like it's not a straight 2D like flat background game. Yeah, it's almost Atari esque with some of the dis- like your your protagonist looks like you're an Atari character. Yes. It looks like an old school, like old, old school arcade game. It looks like Asteroids. Um, there's yeah. even like they go as far as like adding a little um, to get very technical, like chromatic aberration around all the lines. So it looks like it's being projected on like uh, 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 I just forgot the like a CRT monitor, which is very cool. Even the Apple Arcade logo when it shows up is a little bit blurry and distorted in that way. Yeah. Um and it surprises me when it does like get really well animated because some enemies like have crisper animations and have more pixels going on. Yeah, the environments are beautiful. Uh, it's all white and black and red. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of like Downwell. Very, yeah, very very Halloween appropriate. It's very spooky. Mm-hmm. Um, so what what is it with Dark Souls? Uh, the the tutorial teaches you that you dodge roll out of the way. So mm-hmm. we got that going on. Yep. Uh, there is a light attack and heavy attack. It's a lot about reading the enemy and timing things right. It is a difficult game. It's not brutal, but it is difficult. Yeah. And when you die, you lose all your items and your current experience, and you get that back if you beat that level right away. Right. If um, you die again, you lose it. Yeah. So so all the, the element of like losing things upon death, difficulty, dodge rolling, that's all very Dark Souls-y. Yeah. And even in the vibe, like... This is sort of a dark fantasy game um, where like everything is kind of bleak. So like there's a Dark Souls influence. The thing that this game does really well is is, is it just zeroes in on like what if Dark Souls was an Atari game? Mm-hmm. How can we reduce that genre to three commands on your phone? Yeah. And this is a game where you can actually change the controls to play with one hand or two. I recommend one hand and it it plays real well. Uh, it really so does. I've been it. super surprised at how responsive this game is. Yeah. So you you swipe to dodge roll. You have stamina just like you do in Dark Souls. So it's like, you know, you have to watch that. You hold uh, to attack. You hold a bit and then swipe in the direction you want to attack. And you can block by tapping at the right time. Yeah. Um, if you hold longer, you can do a heavy attack. So I think the game, what it does brilliantly is it almost is playing off the idea that souls alike has become such a common genre. We know these mechanics like by second yeah. nature at this point. So it's like you can, if you're familiar at all with that genre, even if you're not, you can pick this game up pretty quickly, but it's just such a fun, quick arcadey game with that flavor that I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, um, it is. It's also worth mentioning uh, the way you actually progress in this game is like level by level. So there are there are worlds, I guess, as you mentioned before. Yeah. The first one is like a forest. The second one's a swamp. But there are, I think, what is it? Ten? Is it ten? Maybe five? I don't know. Some number. Yeah, I'm not of, sure of how levels within are. that. Where every time you go there, there's a set number of enemies who will show up on this isometric square, um, and you just kind of have to survive and make your way through, like kill all the enemies, and then you move on. Uh, and when you beat it, you get experience and you get uh, different items that have different like bonuses. If you level up all the way, you get like a permanent bonus that you'll keep forever. Um, but the main idea is you're making your way from level to level. They get harder and harder and harder. At the end of the world, you will fight a boss for that world, and then you move on to the next one. 
Um, and the bosses are not easy. Uh, and in some cases, uh, almost, again, Dark Souls-esque are teaching you different mechanics, teaching you to like unlearn or relearn certain things. Uh, so yeah. like, throughout the whole first world, I think a great example is pretty much every enemy exists to teach you uh, the timing for blocking. Uh, so you can do a block and then a counterattack. But the last boss in that world is like, no, fuck you. You're not going to block any of my attacks. You are incapable of blocking my attacks. I hit too hard for that. You have to really learn in that moment how to dodge roll and then heavy attack back uh, and manage your stamina, which is very cool. It's very interesting. Uh, so by the time you make it to the second one, to the second world, you kind of have everything you need at that point. You kind of have all the mechanics mastered uh, to be able to just like get fully into the game. Uh, I would consider that first world like just straight tutorial until you finish it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm impressed at how quickly I'm now taking out enemies and like yeah. it really f like kind of akin to astral chain once you know what to do like it's really like it's so kinetic and so fun and fast mm -hmm. and that's I think the major because Dark Souls is a very slow game yeah uh, it's a it's a game of patience basically yeah this is a game of timing and of like mm -hmm. you know it's it's arcadey it, it's 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 very Atari now that we're talking about it and it's great I I beat the first boss the that's when the game like really like I think shown for me was the boss fight, which like, mm -hmm. again, I'm ready to roll my eyes at the like souls of like bosses, like even in remnant where they're named like the forgotten one. It's like cool dude. Yeah. But like, you know, it's like, I'm tired of the cryptically named bosses and like it just the whole formula. Like, and it's, and I think not to get into Sekiro, but the reason I love Sekiro so much is like they're, they're expanding like a way they're both simultaneously like building upon that formula yeah. and taking steps away from it where it's not just the same thing over and over again. Right. You know, and, and it's, it's a weird thing to say because like that, that idea, like a Souls game was so novel when it came out. Like, I don't want it to become the like pedestrian thing. Mm. <laughs> Killers use the term pedestrian, you know, the Very run good. of the mill. But, you know, <laughs> I, I don't want it to be like oversaturated, like, oh my God, I'm sick of this, you know? Yeah. So, Bleak Sword, I think, is a good example of how you can take bits and pieces of that formula and zero in on things and kind of make a game with its own vibe. That doesn't feel derivative of either like a Atari arcade game or Dark Souls. Yeah, it's able to wear its influence on its sleeve and still set itself apart and be its own thing. I, I think um, I, the the way I always look at the idea of Souls like as a genre, which I, I know some people kind of like balk at that as a term, but I'm I'm never gonna be one to limit anyone's creativity. You know what I mean? Like yeah. actually, I, I think I just had a conversation with somebody about this recently, where like the current uh, the current climate in Hollywood is like it's easier to get a movie greenlit if it's based in an IP that people know. Like, the reason you see so many reboots and things is, like, there's kind of money on the table already. Like, people know what kind of return you'll get if you greenlight a thing. I think, like, they're rebooting Home Alone or something. Like, okay, cool. So, like, they're gonna take the Home Alone IP. You know people will show up just to see a new Home Alone movie in 20-whatever. But that also means that, like, some creator out there is getting the chance to, like, make a movie, which is, like, an impossible feat. And, yeah. and the ability to do that, even if it's attached to the Home Alone IP, still means that you can do something cool with it. You know? Like, every reboot that happens is still a bunch of people creating something that didn't exist before and I think that's exciting and like mm -hmm. if if making something in the realm of Dark Souls if making a Souls like allows you to create a thing get the funding you need to like make a video game and then get it out there that's cool as hell regardless of like what it ends up being in, in the end uh, any act of creation I think is good uh, even if it's like heavily inspired by something oh yeah I agree with you and I, and I think I, I just think you can notice right away the difference between heavily inspired and like okay I 
guess we'll do this. Right, you know? yeah, yeah. I guess we'll make a version of a bonfire and have fog before the boss fight. Like, that's not right, right, right. what made Dark Souls sell well. You know? yeah. um, then you have the other element, which is like Spelunky, which exists purely as as a way of like butting up against uh, butting up against roguelike as a genre. Like Derek Yu, the, the creator of that game, uh, I have the, there's a book that he wrote about the making of Spelunky. In that book, he's like, I didn't like roguelike games and I wanted to make one that I liked. Uh, Zach Gage, who we talked about before, uh, his first like major hit on mobile was Spell Tower. He was like, I don't like word games. So I made one that I thought I would like. I think that's a really interesting thing as well to to come into it. But anyway, point being, wearing your inspiration on your sleeve is very fun, I think. And 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 yeah. Bleak Sword is doing that in a way that I really appreciate uh, and, and becomes its own thing. I agree. I, I yeah. love it. It's one of my favorite Apple Arcade games and it's perfect for the season. Yes, absolutely. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween, everyone. I'm excited. Uh, we got some more stuff that we want to do for this season. We're, we're trying to, I'm trying to stream. My PS4 is cursed and it's not working. Everyone's apparently. PS4s are cursed. It's not just yours, Steven. No, it's all about me. Uh, <laughs> no, but um, we do, I want to start a Bloodborne stream. Yeah. Uh, I'm very excited for that. Uh, maybe it will have already happened by the time this comes out. Yeah. I want to, you want to do Deadly Premonition, right? That was on the. I was thinking about doing that. I'm thinking about replaying Soma. You haven't played Soma at all, so I think you should play that. Um, Yeah. I'm playing through Control right now, which uh, I'm going to talk about next week, which I'm very Mm. excited about uh, because that game is, oof, it's good. Hell Um, yeah. Perfect for the season as well. Uh, Yeah, there's a lot of of good stuff. Cool. Well, why don't we wrap up? I think that's all I got on Bleak Sword. But thanks again to everyone who listens. I'm going to quickly give a shout out to all our patrons. Thanks again for everyone who supports the show. Here's your contractually obliged shout out. Uh, (laughs) uh, Thank you very much. I'm going to change the order this time. To Akira, Andrew, Bede, Benjamin, Benjamin W, Balt, Brett, Christopher, Hilton, Inez, Jeff, Cameron, Kim, Kyle, Mark, Marcel, Melly Muffin Pie, Micah, Min, Philip, Scout, and Spencer. Thank you. Um, Thank you all this so list much. is getting long. If I have mispronounced anyone's name, please let me know. I apologize in advance if that's the case, uh, but I'm doing my best. Totally. And yes, thank you so much for your support. Uh, again, as we say every episode, Brendan and I had no intention of starting a Patreon. And the fact that people reached out to us to make one is unreal. And the fact that we have any supporters is is flattering. Um, it's humbling and rad. Thank you so much. Um, uh, if you like the show, the best way to help it grow is to share it with a friend. Uh, some of you have been doing that recently. If you're a new listener, hello. Thank you for joining us. But beyond that, we are available. We are available. We are uh, everywhere on the internet. We're on Twitter at Into the Cast. We are on Twitch at Into the Cast. Uh, oh, if you want to back the Patreon, that's also Into the Cast. Patreon.com slash Into the Cast. Um, and we also have a YouTube account, which is where all of our streams live after they happen. Uh, yeah. And we are uh, probably going to be more active in October than we usually are. Um, at least after I get past Comic-Con, I will be streaming at least more. Yeah. Anything else? That's it. Uh, once again, thank you. I hope you have a wonderful start to your fall, start to your own spooky season. Yes. Anyway. Play some scary games. Play some scary games. Uh, and yeah, have a wonderful week. We'll see you next time. Yeah. With uh, that. Oh, I was just going to say thank you to AJ Filari, our producer. Oh, yeah. Whatever. Always wonderful. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. I love you, AJ. But yes, uh, thank you to everyone involved. And with that, my name is Stephen Hilger. You can find me at Stephen Hilger. My name is Brendan Bigley. You can find me on the internet at Brendan Bigley. 
Goodbye. Sayonara, wild hearts. Wah, ha, ha, ha. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's an <better>. interesting <laughs> a horror version of Sayonara, wild like hearts. I had uh, I had so many. My family had so many weird decorations where you like touch them and be like. Um, that's my Halloween voice. Uh, yeah, my parents have a have a Snoopy that's dressed up like as a skeleton, and then when you press it, when you press the button on it, it just plays the Charlie Brown theme song. It's like not scary at all. He just is dressed like a skeleton. It goes na 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 na. We had a weird uh, mummy, witch, and Frankenstein where if you pushed a button, they swayed the left and right and the monster mash played so it was like i was walking in the lab (laughs) 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 it started with the verse Um, goodbye everyone see you in hell i can say that now and have it be seasonally appropriate yes see you in hell see you in hell Garbage dot online.